0: Welcome to a brand new Tuesday edition of Problematic Women. I'm Virginia Allen. So if you are single or dating, recently married, or even if you're a parent to teens, today's conversation is for you. Navigating the current dating culture is hard. Let's face it, it's just plain hard between dating apps and a hookup culture. It can feel extremely challenging to find your significant other and grow a healthy romantic relationship. Today, I sit down with Kate Zick, the co-director of Moral Revolution. Kate's full-time job is giving people the tools that they need to have strong, healthy, and lasting romantic relationships. We talk about everything from tips for dating to how to have hard conversations with your kids about how they can have healthy relationships. Now, quick disclaimer, we are covering some mature topics in this conversation, so some of our content may not be appropriate for children. But with that said, I truly hope that you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Kate is so practical and extremely honest about the challenges that we as young women especially are facing today. So let's go ahead and dive into this very authentic conversation about navigating the modern dating scene. I am so pleased to welcome to Problematic Women, Kate Zick. Kate is the co-director of Moral Revolution and the author of Look at You Girl, Kickstart to Seeing Yourself the Way God Does. Kate, thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat today.
0: Yeah. So this has been a little bit of uh, a long time coming. We met over the summer at the Alliance Defending Freedom Conference in Florida. And Kate, I think the first thing that I noticed about you was just how authentic and real you (laughs) are. It's like, oh. This girl, we need to get her on problematic women. Uh, I,
1: yeah, sometimes to a fault, probably.
0: No, not at all. It's a really, really beautiful it's gonna thing. It's going to be TMI,
1: basically. <laughs> if you're talking to me, you're going to be like, wow, I didn't know we were going there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a real conversation today. Heads up. So I, I do want to throw it to you and ask you to share a little bit about what you all do at At moral revolution you and your husband cole direct this ministry this organization share what your mission is uh, and uh and what you all do yeah in the
1: shortest version possible i would say our mission is to tell the world a better story about sex Um, we know that we're living in a generation that is overwhelmed by lots of conflicting messages about love lust relationships sexuality and so, at Moral Re- Revolution, we really seek to try to define God's design for it. Like, what was the original design for sexuality, um, for marriage, for relationships? And so, we do that by trying to equip and empower people all over the world. We create resources online, books, courses. We are in five different languages. You can find us on Instagram or online. There's lots of free blogs, podcasts, YouTube channel. You know, all of the things just really trying to tell the world a better story about sex and that, it's not a bad word, that it's yes from God, that it was his, you know, what his intent was. And we get really excited talking about all that.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, and a lot of, of the ministry really flowed out of uh, a book called Moral Revolution that Chris Valentin wrote. I actually read that book when uh, I was in youth group in high school, it gave me a, a great picture of, of relationships, of sex, of all of these big topics. So, Kate, what was what was your journey? What is your story into essentially a, a job that is helping uh, young people, helping adults navigate relationships in a healthy way, understand uh, sex from a biblical perspective? How did you end up doing what you're doing now?
1: Um, OK, you've probably seen that like funny meme on Instagram or Pinterest. It's I mean, not funny, but it's very popular was be who you needed when you were younger. I would say that is why I'm here. Um, As a young teenage girl, my sexual activity began at age 12, 11 or 12, um, and really just basing it off of everything that culture told me, right? So I didn't have a lot of conversations in the home about it. I didn't have a lot of conversations in school. I wasn't raised in a church that talked about it. So it left me just basically basing all of my sexual theology um, around what I saw in the movies, the song lyrics we were singing. And so it led me down this very promiscuous path very, very quickly. Um, and in lots of moments that I wasn't enjoying, I just thought this is what girls do. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. Um, a quick way of summing it up would be to say, you know, there were moments of pressure um, in back seats, in movie theaters, in between the sheets that took me more years to get out of than it did to get into. Because my span of, you know, this hypersexuality, you know, hookup culture for myself was from about 11 or 12 to 16. Um, And those years were just filled with lots of hookups. My friends and I even had this little silver spiral notebook with a hiding place in my bedroom. And you would go in and everybody had your own little section and you would write the name of the guy you hooked up with. And it was like we equated the longer the list to winning And as a very competitive person, I was set to win. Um, I just didn't know what I was losing at the same time. Um, I really believed that being wanted was being worthy. Like I found my acceptance, affirmation, approval, you know, love everything in how many times my pager was blowing up? Because yes, that's how old I am. It was before cell phones. I had a pink pager that was constantly clipped to my bikini, and um, you know, I thought it blowing up with booty calls meant that I was on top of the world. Like I thought I was winning at life, and so. It wasn't until 16 when I had like a pretty radical encounter with God that I was like, oh, wow, there is something else. There is more to live for. Um, and that's when I entered the purity conversation um, and really started. I mean, in high school, I didn't read any books that school made me read. I was that girl. I found all the cliff notes. Um, and but then I just started going through a Christian bookstore and finding as many books on purity, um, sexuality, you know, dating marriage everything that I could read and I just started really eating them up because I was like what do I believe because you know DMX told me keep it on the down low nobody has to know American Pie told me you know like I was basing it off of everything that I knew and so I was really realizing that the truth about sex is so foreign because the lies are so familiar and so I was not going to be able to figure out how to get out of these lies that I was bombarded in swimming in unless I turned up the truth, which took a lot of intentionality. So for me to be able to be on this other side this many years later, being able to create resources that hopefully are doing that same thing that I was seeking out as a young girl is life for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your story, Kate. Uh, it's really powerful. I think so many of us, we come from so many different backgrounds. We have so many different life experiences, and when you meet someone, you don't necessarily know uh, know what they've walked through, know their journey, how they've made it to the place that they are today. So, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, now, I know you know you are working with so many different individuals, with with parents, with young people who who are trying to navigate the current relationship culture, the current sex culture, navigating social media, navigating dating apps. What is your advice to young people who, who are uh, trying to make sense of the culture that we live in today and trying to make good choices within it?
1: Yeah, I think we have to figure out what our core values are as people, as a human being. Um, so whether you're listening and you are from the faith background like me, I'm going to say you're going to go to the Bible. Like the Bible is your foundation for figuring out who you are, whose you are, what you want to live your life by. But even if not, you want to know what your core values are because if you are dictated by this culture, then it is going to be a total mess, right? It's like a roller coaster of which way are we going? What are we believing? What are we saying today? Um, and so I think if you have your core values set, Um, then you know what the map looks like for you and it's not based on the newest and most recent opinions. And so I think when it comes to that, you could even say, if you know your stance, then your life won't be dictated by the circumstance, right? So as a single woman or single guy knowing, This is who I am. This is what I bring to the table. This is what I have to offer. And I know I'm healthy enough that in a dating relationship, I know I'm going to leave somebody better than I found them. And if I'm not ready for that, then I need to work on my personal healing, wholeness journey and figuring out who I am and what I need. Um, Because, yeah, in culture, I think also we have to realize that we have been desensitized. And we think a lot of things are normal that the intention was not for them to be normal. And we're so bombarded with it on every angle. I mean, for me to look back and think about what I felt bombarded with as a 16 year old, I mean, it's increased exponentially with what we're listening to and what we're watching and what we're seeing on a daily basis that we have to return to the source and figure out what, what is it supposed to look like? And what are my boundaries to make sure that I stay in a healthy place?
0: When it comes uh, specifically to to single women, women who who are dating, who are trying to navigate this, what what do you think are some of the most consistent challenges that you're hearing from them about things that they're facing uh, in in regards to relationships, and and then what are maybe some of the solutions yeah. to those challenges?
1: That's an easy question because we've just taught this class. Um, on that for Moral Revolution. We have an entire community for women. It's already active and going. And the uh, one for men is going to be opening in early 2022. Um, but we have this program called Date Well, A Path to Wholeness in Dating. And we did this live class that literally answers that exact question is what are the things we're hearing the most from women that are their challenges, that are their obstacles to really enter the dating scene or feel like they're doing it well. And there were three things we found, three obstacles uh, to kind of getting going and the first one was dealing with past pain because basically there's this lack of confidence in dating and so we're trying to find the root of what is that lack of confidence coming from the first one we found is past pain that could look like trauma um, from your past like me that I wouldn't have even known to give it that language until you know I was in counseling years later that could simply look like just heartbreak from a past relationship so past pain was one of them the second one would be cycles like unhealthy cycles and again this could be a cycle that you're just finding yourself in most you know recently where you're like oh wow I keep going for the bad guys or I keep uh being like just fooled or it could be literally a cycle that's like been passed down from your family where you're like my mom cheated on my dad I'm finding myself constantly cheating like finding out what those unhealthy cycles are in your life and then the third one was insecurity And realizing that there's either insecurity in yourself, which could literally just be in your body and your appearance and the external, uh, what's on the inside where you're like, Oh, maybe I just feel like, you know, I believe the lie of, I am just a pretty face and I don't know, you know, what's going on inside or just insecurity in the whole dating process, which could be found in, you know, believing a lie, like all men are monsters, every guy's going to be the same. And so you're just insecure about the whole process. And so the solutions that, um, We've taught on those things that, again, it was an hour-long class. So I'm going to go really fast. Um, And this is still just touching the surface, which is why we created DateWell. But the first one for past pain is realizing we have to forgive and release. Like to go in and really go into those moments. And a lot of times I think we kind of... We try to move over it really fast. Maybe we're like, okay, I forgive that person, but really going in and sitting with it and maybe getting out a journal and being like, this is what I forgive them for. This is what they did to me. This is what they said to me. This is the way it made me feel and really forgiving and releasing until it loses that sting. Um, and knowing it doesn't mean it's building back trust with that person. It just means you're moving from that, that bitterness and that unforgiveness. That's probably eating away at you on the inside. Um, so that's one of the solutions for past pain for the unhealthy cycles is just realizing we cannot figure out what is like, it's kind of like saying we can't figure out what's holding us hostage or we can't be set free until we know what's holding us hostage. So we have to be able to look and see what the cycles are. And sometimes we're so blind to our own blind spots and our own cycles that you could probably ask a friend and be like, what cycles do you see in my life? (laughs) So really creating a timeline of your life from, you know, the entrance of sexuality or the entrance of relationships um, until now and going like year by year, month by month, whatever that looks like for you and building a timeline of your sexuality and dating relationships and saying, wow, look at the cycles here. So the first step would just be identifying them because you can't break them until you identify them. And then that insecurity, the solution for that, that we present is definitely the thing we started this conversation with is finding out what your core values are. Because if you know who you are, like uh, my co-director of Date Well, Sloane Wilson, she shares this amazing story where she gets off of this terrible date where she was so nervous. She was like, he was the hottest guy I've ever gone on a date with. I was so nervous. I wasn't acting like myself. She's like, I get in the car afterwards. And she's like, that was a mess. Like, that was a total train wreck. What was I doing? I didn't, like, be myself. And so she looked in her, she pulled her rear view mirror up and she turns it down and she looks at herself and she starts saying who she is and she starts saying like what she believes about herself. Like, no, I am this, I am that. And so it was just this moment that was very organic, but that realized we realized on the inside, that's what we need is no matter what, we can look ourselves in the mirror and be like, this is who I am. This is what I'm worthy of. And we can build our confidence even in the most like insecure, messy moments.
0: Uh, that's so practical and so good, and I'm like, yes, these are all such important things for doing and and they're practical like i we we talk about okay, you know we we want to navigate dating well and and these big topics, uh, but you you need practical tools to help you do that, so uh, Kate, I think that's super helpful, just very um down to earth things that we can be actually doing on a daily basis in our lives, practicing forgiveness, practicing speaking truth over ourselves that's so good, uh you know when it comes to Okay, I'm I'm maybe growing as a person. I'm I'm looking for someone to date. A challenge that I think many young people face is just how do I actually find those good people out there? Do you have any tips or or wisdom on on how we can you know in the world of, of dating apps and all the craziness, how do we actually locate those good people?
1: Yes, that's a great question. So a couple tips we share inside of DateWell would be. Uh, To ask friends to hook you up on a blind date. So asking people you trust that know you well and saying, hey, I'm willing to take the risk. Uh, I think we have to, as women, lower the stakes, right? Because I think the tendency is like a coffee date is like I'm saying yes to a relationship or, you know, you're, you're picturing marriage and you're signing your last name and you're like, no, I'm just trying to have a cup of coffee with somebody. So it's just realizing we have to lower the stakes so that as we're entering into this dating scene, we're not like hanging our hat on all this. We're really seeing, wow, I just need to get better at talking (laughs) to a guy and being able to like really communicate well and connect well. And so asking friends again, I think the reason people would even hear that you're probably like, nope, I would never do that. I won't trust them. You know, you're like you're not asking them to find your future mate. You're asking them to set you down for coffee with somebody or dinner. And so I think that's a really good practical tool is asking people, you know, hey, is there somebody you, you trust and you like, you don't have to say they're perfect. You don't need to know their whole sexual history, like just that you think is a great guy that you could set me up on a date with. Um, another one would be online dating. We give a lot of just tips and tricks inside of DateWell on um, online dating and just kind of trying to remove any negative stigma that people might have there, that there are good apps um that they're not all just hook up, you know, culture and how to present yourself there. Um and even I can think of this other organization Heart of Dating, they t- have a Drop the Hanky program where, you know, one of my single friends was just texting me like, "Should I try this?" I'm like, "Yeah, I said if it was me, I would. Like, you're not what's the risk?" So I think just really realizing put yourself out there. You can show a little interest if you have a guy friend at work or church or wherever that you've connected to. It's not like I think the other lie women believe is like all of the pursuit has to be on them. And I agree. Like we want to, as women, be pursued. But you could show a little interest. You know, you could just put a little thing out there to be like, see if he bites. That's actually how I got with my husband. I totally, we were we were friends and we were totally, I'm sure I was in the friend zone. Um, and I just said, I don't even remember exactly what I said. It was embarrassing probably. It was like, I used to like you. Again, I was like 17, so forgive me. But um, he was like, I think it was the first time he even thought like, oh wow. And then he started pursuing me so, so beautifully. So I think just also overcoming that lie of like, oh, I have to just wait. Like, I can't be like, oh, would you want to go to coffee? Or I would love to get to know you better or whatever. I'd love to connect with you. So yeah, just really overcoming some of those obstacles too.
0: Mm. Well, and I will echo what you say about we being willing to, to ask people that you trust around you to set you up on blind dates, I, it was probably like two years ago, I had that revelation of like, okay, wait a second. If, if literally like millions of young people all over America are trusting, you know, an, an algorithm through a dating app, to set them up on dates. Like, why wouldn't I trust the people in my life who I trust and who love me and who I love them? And so, yeah, I've, I've like let people know that I trust at church and family members like, hey, you have good guys. Let me know. I will go on find dates. So uh, I think it's just practical. It just makes sense. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I have found myself in The same conversation, gosh, I don't even know how many times with a a group of single women and, you know, we're all sitting around having coffee, eating chocolate at night. And the question comes up, where are the good men? Why are there so many single women, great single women, intelligent women, women who love the Lord? And it just seems like guys aren't pursuing. Is, Is that the wrong question to be asking Kate, I mean, is that legitimate? Is is there a shortage of good guys? Or is there, are, are we as single women just asking the wrong questions?
1: I probably would have people I love that are going to disagree with my answer here. Because uh, I, you know, I, I know that, you know, it sounds very hopeless to be like, no, I, I agree with you. <laughs> but I think I actually asked my husband this question, I said, because uh, I saw, you know, on our notes it was like why are there so many single women and his quick response which he doesn't hold any punches he was like because there's no dateable men (laughs) like well I'm gonna quote you Um, but I honestly think that we've lost a lot of the I mean it even feels weird to say the the power the meaning of masculinity in our generation I think that's a huge part I think if you go really deep into the roots of this stuff I think it's fatherlessness I think it's broken homes. Um, I also think it has a lot to do with the way culture has depicted men. Um, I mean, I, I can't name a TV show that I like grew up watching that like celebrated men. Like they were always either idiots or liars or cheaters or drunks or just goofballs. Like you know what I mean. So there's just this imagery that we've been lacking. And then honestly, the our biggest root that we see in what's affected everybody. It's not just men, but you know, statistically many, many men is pornography. Pornography has created this other universe of reality. Like it's just, it's not real, but it's people entering into this. And so for whatever reason, I mean, we could go into that forever. There's an amazing documentary that just released this past month called Raised on Porn. Um, It's by Exodus cry. You can find it on YouTube. I highly recommend every single person to watch that. Um, I've never seen porn personally in my life and neither has my husband, but so it doesn't matter if you've seen it. It doesn't matter if you're currently addicted to it. It doesn't matter if you've just like, you've overcome that, whatever your story is, every human being should watch this because we need to see how it's affecting our generation and how it's affecting us from a young age and what's, very helpful also in watching that documentary is instead of looking at broken men, which is, you know, the reality sometimes if you're like, wow, there's just a lot of men that are still struggling, still messed up, want weird things. It's realizing, oh, wow, we need to look back at that like nine-year-old boy who got introduced to this. And it just, it, it, it unpacks the science of what's happening in their brains and why there's actual addiction going on here, why it's changed their brain. And um, I just think it gives a lot of, a lot of understanding of what, what we're living in right now and why we need to stop it. So their whole purpose is protect children not born and how do we protect children from this. But really realizing, I think it helps in dating. There's another documentary by Fight the New Drug called Brain Heart World. Another amazing documentary to watch to be like, wow, this is this is the world we're living in. This is how it's affected their brains, their hearts, and then the world and the society we're living in. And so I really think that that's a root cause, not only for the dating scenario we're in, but a lot of failed marriages. I mean, I think large percentages have uh, pornography, either past or current struggle that affects the divorce and divorce rate.
0: Mm-hmm. So for for all of our single female listeners who are now a little bit discouraged, <laughs> uh, what what is your your encouragement to them for how how we as single women can be you know putting ourselves in in good positions to be you know preparing our, ourselves for marriage or you know even um, I guess maybe holding that in intention. Um, and just storting our hearts well in this season, asking good questions? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you're
1: a believer, then I'm like, pray, pray for your future husband. Uh, Like, I remember telling girls, like, when we were youth pastors for years, I'm like, the girls that are like, I can't, you know, they just can't stop thinking about it. I'm like, just have a journal that's literally just your prayer for your husband journal. And I'm like, and then one day you can give it to him, you know, but just, you know, let it all out there too for the Lord just you know, it's just you're really you have to be able to have a safe space to let it out. So if you're a believer, then I'm like go into the prayer closet on this, like just really kind of giving it all to Him. Like our hope is in Him, and then you're just you're doing what you can, right? Like I don't know, as my personality, I'm like I want to be in control of everything. I'm like this is something you it's just there's it's really hard to be in control of. So praying about it, um, and then I think going back to what we said of continuing to put yourself out there and risk it. Because it's so funny, we have these healthy boundaries that are so important, but sometimes we create walls instead of boundaries. And so when you hear something like this about, wow, so many men are impacted by this, don't just be filled with discouragement. We have so many testimonies of men and women who have truly overcome it and been set free. Um, You have a couple on our podcast, if you want to listen to, of he was addicted. And when you hear his story, because you're like, "How, how did this happen? Like, how did he cheat on his wife? And you you just want to hate him. And then you'll hear his story of how he's introduced by his stepfather um, as a young child. And just like, oh, wow, it was a medication for him. And so then you're like, oh, this can be healed. This can be corrected. Um, It just takes somebody being really attentional to pursue growth. So I think praying, finding hope-filled stories, like putting that in front of yourself, and then continuing to put yourself in really good community that, um, you're learning how to get your needs met in a healthy way so that you're not setting yourself up to be in a codependent relationship when you find somebody, right? When you're just kind of like, because I think that's also a huge struggle right now is women feeling like, oh, I'm just going to settle. Um, you're not gonna have to settle. You're not going to have to settle. You're going to make sure that you're not, that you know how to get your needs met. You know who you are. You know what you believe. You know your core values and you know what you bring to the table. And then when you, when you meet that man, if he has a past, the, my thing would be, I'm like, I want women to be educated on what that looks like, because I think historically, like if I go back 15 years to when, you know, a couple of my friends got married to a man who struggled with porn, the 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 conversation was I used to struggle with it and then didn't know. No, no, you still struggle with it. It's still a thing. You're having sex inside of marriage, like with other people. It's just because we didn't have the tools and the understanding. I think now we do have, we have, there's so many tools. There's so many paths to freedom. There's so much more understanding of what's going on in the brain and science, which I think actually brings so much hope of knowing there's a path to healing and there's a path to wholeness. So being educated on it, being aware um, like I said, not creating walls around it, having healthy boundaries, like, oh, wow, if he's currently struggling, it'd probably be good for him to get into counseling or get into a program that's going to help him so that he can be in a healthy relationship with you. Because I think the wall would be, I will never be with somebody who's ever struggled. That's going to be the percentages are, it's 94%. We'll see it by 18, 94%. So you can't create walls. you got to have hope in front of you, hope of healthy relationships and marriages after this. Hope of what you want and what you're looking for, and then just staying faithful to say, Lord, I I put this in your hands, and then having really, really good, healthy community to say, Will you help me? Help me find somebody? You know, be praying with me, be with me on this journey.
0: Yeah, that's huge. That community aspect makes such a difference. Let's do a a lightning round of advice. I want I want to ask you for for three different groups of people for for those who are uh, who are dating, who are entering the dating scene. What is Uh, one really, really great piece of advice that you would give young folks who are dating – um, secondly, for uh, married couples, what is a great piece of advice that has helped you and Cole in your marriage to foster a really happy, healthy, strong connection? And then for parents who are trying to navigate, okay, how do I, how do I talk about sex with my child? How do I navigate uh, you know, as they're starting to date? So we'll start first with, uh, with advice for, for singles or uh, young folks who are dating.
1: When you are dating and you're looking for somebody, you're not just looking for somebody that you are attracted to, that you like thinks, checks, your boxes. You're looking for somebody that makes you happy, that you're going to have lots of fun with, that you can laugh with, but also that that future person is going to raise children with you. So ask yourself that, because a lot of times we have this dreamboat idea of who we want, but really knowing, no, I'm looking for a whole hearted man and what does that look like? And I think actually the most common question I've gotten recently from single women on that is, uh, what if I'm not like super attracted to him at first? I'm like, no, no, that kind of stuff can grow. We're just believing the lie from movies of like, it's just fireworks right away and you just can't help yourself. I'm like, no, that stuff can grow. So you're looking for a man that you want to do the rest of your life with, raise a family with, and there you go. <laughs> mm,
0: so good. All right. Okay. So now for for married individuals who might be listening, what is a great piece of advice for how they can keep love alive, make marriage exciting, uh, and always uh, keep it fresh and and beautiful?
1: Don't settle for less than God's best for your sex life. Sex is supposed to be a beautiful, intimate, connecting, powerful, bonding moment. Um, I've realized over the years that there are layers that I had to to peel off of me from past experiences, from what I've believed from media, from what I've watched on TV shows. And so I've had to get to the core of this eye contact, beautiful, intimate connection with my husband. And it's taken years of hard work, years of counseling for me, but just saying the reason that I did all of those things was because I refused to settle for less than God's best for my sex life. And now we're experiencing the most amazing intimate thing that it's not a performance. It's not perversion. It's intimate connection and bonding that you have with nobody else on the earth.
0: So good. And what about for parents who are thinking, "Oh gosh, I, I know I need to be talking to my child about this, but that feels big and it feels scary." How do they go about having conversations about relationships, about sex?
1: Parents, sex is not a bad word. You should be saying sex in your house. It's from heaven. It's not from hell. You have to talk about sex, sexuality, body parts. Don't shame body parts. You're going to be able to create a culture of conversations around sexuality all of the time. Creating the safe space that your kids know they want to go to you when they have a question, not the Google bar and not a friend. And so to do that, we have to be able to create that safe space of knowing that we are a safe home to talk about this in. that it's not a bad word, that we're open to conversations at any time, that we don't just hide away from it, shy away from it, say, talk to your dad about it. We, we hold those space for those conversations and then you can join us at Parent Well because that's our other community that we have specifically for parents on raising kids in a hypersexualized culture.
0: Yeah. And for our listeners, I I do want to let them know you are a mom, you have kids. So this is coming both from your personal experience as a mom and obviously all of all of the research, your own personal journey that you have done working with so many other parents. Um, Kate, that's fantastic. Thank you. Now, before we let you go, there's one question we love to ask all of our listeners on this show, our first time guests. And uh, and that is, do you consider yourself a feminist? Yes or no? Why or why not?
1: (laughs) Funny story, my first Sunday morning ever preaching at a church, I said something about how I used to be a feminazi, and I think that's why I've never been invited back. (laughs) Like, basically, uh, that was my upbringing. (laughs) And yeah, I'm so about the empowerment of women. Um, I've, because I quickly got into the church scene at 16, you know, I'm like, I wanted to see women leading. I'm like, all for women. Uh, my husband and I are total partners in everything we do. Uh, but I would say this, the, the, the cultural term of feminist, I would say, no, I'm not. Uh, I would love to reclaim some of that and see it used. Like, I think, you know, there's a book called Jesus Feminist. I don't know if I agree with the whole book or not. I haven't read it. But that idea, the concept of saying the way Jesus promoted women, uh, there's an amazing book called Fashion to Rain by Chris Vallotton, who's our founder of Moral Revolution. That's that's the type of belief in empowerment of women I have, but probably not the cultural term around it.
0: Yeah, excellent. Kate, tell us how we can follow what you're up to, follow you on Instagram, uh, get involved with the work of Moral Revolution, be a part of DateWell. How do we find all these resources?
1: Amazing. So you can find me at Caitlin Zick um, on Instagram, and you can find my book, Look at You Girl, Um, On Amazon, you can prime it to your door. You can find all of that there. And then Moral Revolution is on Instagram, like I said, in five different languages. You can go to moralrevolution.com. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, all of the things, podcast. uh, You can find all of that there. Date Well, Parent Well, you'll be able to find it all on our website.
0: Excellent. Kate, thank you so much for your time. This has been super fun.
1: Yes. Thanks for having me, Virginia. This is amazing.
0: It's easy to get overwhelmed by the 24-7 news cycle. So if you're looking for a way to keep up with the news that matters, The Daily Signal podcast brings you the top news of the day. Hosts Doug Blair, Rob Bluey, and me, Virginia Allen, bring you headlines and interviews with lawmakers, authors, and conservative activists. If you're a conservative who wants to be on top of the news, check out The Daily Signal podcast, available every weekday morning. And that's going to be it for this Tuesday edition of Problematic Women. Join us on Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please take a moment to subscribe and share. Conservatives, we need your support in the podcast world. And we would so appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you do get your podcasts. It makes such a huge difference. Have a great week, and we will see you all on Thursday.